With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The flowers you gave me are just about to die. When I think about what could have been, it makes me want to cry. The sweet words you whispered didn't mean a thing. I guess our song is over as we begin to sing. We could have been so beautiful. We could have been so right. You could have been my lover every day of my life. Hello and welcome, I'm Douglas Bowles and this is 42 Minutes, a weekly conversation with the interesting artists and thinkers of our day. A production of SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's Monday, March 26, 2018 and Tree Fort is over. I don't know why, but I feel like listening to Tiffany today. As you can tell, I definitely have the Tree Fort flu. And this is a first, actually. I missed the whole last day in bed with a fever of 102 this year. Such a rookie. But nonetheless, we still need to figure out what happened because this one was a good one. Probably as good as it gets. And we'll do so with some artists that performed in various capacities throughout the festival. All right, maybe it's time to get the LED out. What is LED? LED combines, combines contemporary dance, original music, and film into breathtaking cinematic experiences. Founded in 2015, LED is a project-based arts nonprofit based in Boise, Idaho. LED's projects are created by the artistic trio of choreographer Lauren Edson, musician Andrew Stensis, and filmmaker Kyle Mork. Every moment of an LED production is built from the ground up by Lauren, Andrew, Kyle, and a large contingent of extremely talented dancers, musicians, designers, and technicians that are brought in on a project-by-project basis. LED's live performances have wowed, sold-out crowds at Boise's Morrison Center for the Performing Arts, Egyptian Theater, and Treefort Music Fest, as well as audiences throughout the Pacific Northwest. With a focus on narrative, LED is dedicated to exploring the many different mediums and forms in which they combine movement, music, and film to create innovative and accessible artistic experiences. The artists of LED love living and creating in Boise. LED is committed to contributing to the Boise community and bringing Boise audiences unique artistic productions that they can't experience anywhere else. LED performed Artificial Flowers five times on Thursday at Tree Fort, one after another, and the band rocked the shrine in a band-only performance on Saturday. How are you guys doing today, and was your Tree Fort wonderful again? It was. It was. It was. We... We were, I think, busier this year, but it felt more relaxed after Thursday was done. Yes. <laughs> Even though we had many things going on after that, but it was great. Who is talking right now? Andrew. Andrew. Andrew is the musician of the trio. Yes. And and before LED, you were part of the the local band Edmond Dantes. Is that right? Yes, a friend, uh, Ryan Peck and I were a little duo called Edmond Dantes, where we'd have 
musicians throughout the community join us depending on what show we were doing and uh, yeah it was a lot of fun we did did a few EPs and uh, we did a soundtrack for a local filmmaker in town um, named Will Von Tagen. Uh, he did a little film, independent film called Almosting It. Yeah, we talked to him. And, yeah. Oh, you did? We did. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Yeah, the whole project was great. So then Thursday, you, you said, was stressful. How come? Well, we... The kind of idea that we had with this whole tree fort performance was after last year when we performed at the Egyptian on a bill with a magic sword and it was like at capacity in a line around the block and it was just kind of, we didn't really know how we could get bigger. So we wanted to try to find a way to get more intimate. So our idea was to get a venue that we could have to ourselves for the day and really create just like a really intimate, exciting, fully produced uh, experience for an audience. So we reached out to Eric about trying to find a venue that would work for that. And so we ended up finding this beautiful space on 8th Street at uh, 508 next to Trailhead. But it was like a completely blank slate. There was nothing there. So we had to bring in all of the production, all of our chairs, and create that experience really from scratch, and then run it five times that night. So it was a pretty big endeavor that took a lot out of us. An, an occupancy, Andrew again, an <laughs> occupancy uh, we didn't know was going to be so limited. So uh, we went in thinking maybe, you know, because it's a big space, it's a big, beautiful space, uh, but you know, whatever, for whatever reasons that are connected to fire safety, we couldn't have more than 50 people in there at a time. So I think that's also what spurred doing five shows instead of maybe three or uh-huh. something like that. And and so that's not normal to do five performances one after another, is it? No, no, no it's not. And I, I can speak for the dancers, um, I know that for them, it was like running a marathon to have to um, perform it so many times and to have 35 minutes between each show. But I think in a lot of ways, they really loved it and felt like they were digging into it um, in a way that they hadn't been able to in previous work. Um, because for a lot of our shows, we've only been able to perform the works once. So to have it we definitely would want to spread the five over more than just uh, one evening. But I think in a lot of respects, it was great for the dancers to get to grow into it. And for us to also see how different each audience was, people reacted differently to every moment. And um, it was just really cool to see kind of more of a social experiment in that way, what people were getting and what, um, what really resonated differently each time. And so you, with this performance, you decided to go a different route than the normal tree route, which is uh, first come, first serve with you know people with bracelets. Um, you, you, it was a, a RSVP free tickets for anyone who wanted them. How did that work out, and why did you go that route? So as part of uh, the whole piece is we got a grant from the city of Boise, and with that, it needed to be free and open to the public. So we couldn't go like the wristband route through Treefort. 
Um, but then that paired with the really limited capacity, as like we knew that we had like the potential of a really large audience that would want to come see the shows. And so if we had 250 people that tried to get in line for the first show, there's the potential that somebody at the end of that line could wait through the entire five hours between our first show and our last show and still not get in. So we wanted to kind of make it as seamless as an experience as possible for people who wanted to see it. Um, so we did uh, ticket RSVPs online, which ended up going in under an hour. But with that paired with uh, kind of letting people know at the door that capacity was really limited. Everybody that waited for the most part ended up being able to get in with no shows. So we think it worked out pretty seamless in that way. And so what did you guys watch all five performances? Oh yeah. We were there. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, <laughs> I mean, so what did you have a favorite or did, did, um, were they all different? You know, what kind of experience was it to watch five performances? Yeah, I think, you know, for uh, Andrew and I specifically, it was particularly unique because for every LED show prior to this, we've performed in it. I've danced and Andrew has played live. And so for us to experience the work as audience members in and of itself was um, incredibly different. And, and I think for us, it felt... Um, we were really proud of the work and I think that in so many ways we wouldn't have been able to create the work that we had had we been in it. Um, so for me, I mean, I really, I can't say that there was a favorite show of the five because I think they were each unique. Mostly what was exciting was to see um, how the audience reacted and especially this particular work, we we wrapped it in um, an overarching idea that um, people were there to experience a fashion show. So we hired two actors to help facilitate the kind of pomp and circumstance of getting into the theater and um, experiencing a line of a fashion designer who didn't even exist. And, um, but through the brilliance of these two actors, we were able to create something that I think in and of itself reflected the concept of the work, which was artificiality. And, um, and that I know was a completely different thing for anybody who's come to an LED show, the, the sort of removal of branding of LED and, and having to, um, try and figure out what was happening, I think was exciting for us to think about the way an audience member enters the space and being mindful of that whole journey rather than often as you come into a theater, you have the time to sit down and look at your phone and look at a program and talk with those people next to you. But this heightens their senses from the very beginning. So I'm, I don't know that I understand the language of dance. Um, but I, I enjoy it a lot. And so there's probably this space between narrative, which you mentioned on, on your bio, which I could sense in this production, and what would just be purely abstract movement. I'm just, right. curi I'm just curious about – so I have a pet theory that I like to tell people that there's something about dance right now that is able to communicate the nature of being in that – there's something it, it's it's plastic and it digital about our moment that it is kind of it's kind of jerky and it's kind of um 
So like if you think about traditional ballet, there's this just flowingness to it. But now dance feels like it's really interesting because there are moments in your dances where things flow. And I think at the very end of the piece, when when it was what I understand is the real flower, not an artificial flower, that was a really flowing thing. Do I sound crazy? Mm -hmm. Am I am no, I on track not here? Okay. Not at all. No, this is all exactly as what I would want anyone to. I, I think it because you know we want everyone to interpret it as they do, and you're spot on. I think you know it's for me. Uh, so much of the work comes from working with the dancers who I have, and I think the moment that you're referring to was um, is Liz Keller who performed the final solo at the end, which definitely has a more balletic um, idiom there. She's a more ballet-trained dancer, and she is a bit new to contemporary movement. And when I um, realized midway through the creation that what I really should do was highlight her exceptional ability to execute ballet, it became really clear to me that that was the way to go. Um, but I, I feel like movement, as, as you said, dance is, um, it, it is in, incredibly um, visceral. And to be able to watch dance that moves you, because we are all physical beings and we are all, we know what it is to have, you know, to be flesh and bones and to feel emotion. I think that dance has the ability to let those things bubble to the surface in ways that um, a lot of other art forms can't. And um, I feel like my task as a creator is to heighten those things and to bring out those the most human moments that I can in the dance and also find what is specifically unique about the dancers and artists I have involved and, and really just showing that to the best that I can. One of the really striking moments in that was when the music did drop away and the music itself was the the dancer narrative where they were and I wonder if this isn't kind of how they're directed. You put your head over here and then I'll spin you. You know that kind of thing? Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm yeah. Um I mean I work in a lot of different ways. Uh, sometimes I I come in with a, with some movements, and then in other ways I I will have an improv task, and then and then from there I can create movement. I I um, I do like to leave little pockets of improv for them during the performance so that they can feel really present, especially being cognizant of the fact that they performed it five times. Um, allowing them to discover new things each time um, was was really great for, for me and I think for them as well. And that particular part I, I really loved too and I think it was, we initially were going to record voices and then Lauren made the decision, let's not do that. I think it would be great if they actually presented it and the dancers seemed to love that idea too. And so it was fun to to see that take shape. I think, however, that was maybe an exaggerated comedic performance to some degree on that. Sure. The, the, yeah. For their speaking, which was so fun to see and which got to the root of that, uh, the concept of, of, you know, you know, you're, you're spot on. I mean, that, that, uh, that part where Liz 
uh, has that beautiful moment, that flowing moment. Um, and I, I think that, uh, yeah, that there's a really great juxtaposition to have that live kind of chatty moment between the, the music components. And I think it also worked really well for just kind of the experience because we've got like the first song that uh, like, cause like that could kind of stand in for a fashion show. So we've kind of set up those expectations of this as a fashion show that you're at. So then as soon as the dancers start speaking to each other, I think that really broke down like that barrier mm-hmm. and told people like, Oh, you're in for something very different than what you're used to. Well, well the other element that we haven't discussed at all is the visual element too, where uh, I, the, there is this overarching idea that we're watching these artificial flowers on TV, which totally makes sense because that's kind of the nature of artificiality that it exists in this in this plastic TV. But uh, there's something interesting also about you know you had fireworks and stars and bug noises and and so speak about that a little bit. Yeah, so um, this is Kyle. I make the projections and I did the lighting design for the piece as well. Um, but it, this was always an interesting challenge for me because a lot of what we're doing is on like the Morrison Center stage where the projections are really setting kind of the scene for what's happening. They kind of play like a scenic element, but I like to use a lot of motion and really to create like almost an overwhelming experience in that sense but knowing that we were working in such a smaller more much more intimate way that if we had a lot of movement on screen it would really distract from what was going on behind um but really that uh, the projections still have that same value of they just can really help set a mood and an environment for where the dance is taking place so with like just getting a projector screen set up and creating the visuals for it, it can really add this entire other level to the production, I feel, and to like the narrative piece of it. And then with a, with a piece like this, can you, I mean, it's, it was, is it 50 minutes, I think. And so could you reuse that as part of a larger performance or do you, when you do something like this, is it kind of, it's kind of done and then you, you know, you've, you've performed it and it's over. We have plans to try to do this piece in a larger way. We haven't exactly worked out how and when that will happen, but we we think people that have missed out on it and like we got a really great response. So we're really excited to try to find a way to get it out to a bigger crowd. And I, I think we'll have some news for you soon on that. Well, how long is a traditional dance performance? Because isn't there usually an intermission also yeah and uh our past works have been full-length works but uh one narrative that um includes an intermission so maybe a 45 minute first act an intermission and then 30 minute second act um we really loved exploring that as a model and it felt really right for us um we're definitely interested in looking at other ways to create a show that um, as, as you, if you see dance, another model is that it could be a rep show. We, we try to shy away from that. We feel like each work exists on its own and is um, an experience that we want it to feel um, 
really um, special. So we try to shy away from the model of it being a rep, rep performance, but we're interested in exploring maybe combining a couple of our past works um, to create an evening that um, is a unique experience. Okay, well, so that was Thursday. Did anyone do anything on Wednesday? Nothing on Wednesday. We were just in tech all day Wednesday. Yeah, we moved into the theater 10 a.m. Wednesday and we're there until 10 p.m. And then we're back at 10 a.m. Thursday until about 2 a.m. that night. Oh, so my gosh. That was Wednesday, Thursday. <laughs> okay, and then, uh, all right, well, so I will relate that Lola Marsh on, uh, I think it was Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday. Um, was incredible. So that was that was one of the highlights of that day. Um, so Friday then, did you guys go out and play? We did. We also we actually had the premiere of one of our short dance films at uh, Film Ford on Friday too. Oh wow! Yeah, we we had a fully packed schedule. <laughs> did you guys go to that then? Yeah, so we went and saw the premiere of that, and there was a little. Q&A afterwards, and then we went out on the town after that. Because I, I, saw, I saw the dancers on the town Thursday night, I think. And so it was interesting because they, they still had their, their wigs on, but then... I, <laughs> <laughs> I love that <laughs> Yeah, we, we were stuck at the venue loading out until far after things were done on Thursday night, but the dancers did get out about midnight, so I'm sure that they hit up something fun. Yeah. Uh, but, but the, the main uh, thing is they still got out. Uh, <laughs> performances, but that's a testament to their physicality and abilities, I guess, as human beings. The funniest thing is that, so those wigs, there were tons, not maybe tons, but there was a, a handful, a couple groups of young girls wearing those same wigs all over all over the group. Oh, yeah? Really? Yeah. Like, all of them. There were, like, five all wearing those, like, bright red and orange colored wigs. Oh. <laughs> well, we sparked a trend, I guess. <laughs> well, there's, yeah, like, you t tapped into the, the synchronicity of uh, festival life, I guess, or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so then Saturday, Andrew, you played at the... The Shrine in a solo band performance, which I think was a first for you guys to do that. Is that right? It was our first time as just a band at Treefort. We've, but we've only played a handful of times as just a band outside of that. Um, Opening for Thundercat and Lounge on Fire yeah, we, various times. Yeah, we did. Uh, I think our first one ever was opening for Thundercat. Um, and that was fun at the Knitting Factory. And then um, and then our friends in the group Lounge on Fire, which are great, they played at the Olympic, and I think they played somewhere else as well. Neuralux. Neuralux yeah. as well. But we played for their um, benefit show in January. Yeah, the and Winter Social. The Winter Social, and that was a lot of fun. And so, yeah, but this was the first full set for the, the LED band to play on their own, and we had fun. We wanted to make it a rockin' set, considering that Pussy Riot was going to be up a few bands after us. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and um, and I think we had we had a good response and just had a great time playing. 
but it was rocking. We we pieced together several different tunes from various pieces that we've created. We've kind of developed quite a catalog over the last three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just to make sure, I think you know this, Doug, but just to make sure it's clear, it wasn't a solo show for Andrew and that no. he had his full band. No, right. There were no dancers. Yeah. No exactly. Dancers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess I, I didn't we, know that you had done that previously, but I guess that makes sense. Well, not on a not on a scale like yeah that it was Saturday night. There are more test experiences they, to exactly. see how that worked. Yeah. yeah. Well, did you create visuals for this, Kyle? We did, but they didn't end up working out. Had some problems with our projector, so we ended up just going pretty. Uh, plain Jane in terms of the visual visuals, but that is something that we really want to work on building up is like the kind of band presence in general, but we also want to make it clear that like, because to us, when the band performs, that's not just like, oh, it's the band performing without the dancers. Like that's just as much of an LED production as anything else we do. So we're working on trying to find really good ways to like have that full visual element and make it like just as good of an experience as any other LED show that you might come to. And initially the band was going to wear these white morph suits (laughs) (laughs) and we were going to have the projection over us. Andrew's wearing it now. <laughs> <laughs> every day now. And uh, no, and we were gonna we were gonna do that for the projections and thank God we didn't otherwise yes. we'd just be up there. But we were in all white. It was just more uh, you know It looked good, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why we were wearing the white was um, we were going to have the projections play over us. Uh, but you know, thank God we changed it from the morning. <laughs> that could have gotten pretty weird. Well, my every year, my experience with Tree Ford is that part of what you have to do is it's, it's FOMO management. That there's so much going on, and you want to see so much, and sometimes you just have to you have to let go and say, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's it's always so hard. But so I ended up being stuck. Uh, everyone was starving, and so we went. We thought we were going to the fast place to eat, and then we missed the LED band performance and so well that's all right we we'll be we'll be doing it again (laughs) okay but i did hear good things yeah so did you stay uh, okay so i think what did you guys play at was it six six forty that night and Mm -hmm. um deluxe played at like 10 and then pussy riot played at like eleven forty-five or something. Yeah, yeah. something like that. And Deluxe was great. And yeah, it, we we stayed. Um, the the whole band stayed around for a while. I know that several of them. Um, the our bass player Matt Fabby, he had another show that he had to get to, and then so did our drummer Michael. Um, you know, I have, I somehow got. Some of the greatest musicians in Boise, I think, are the greatest musicians in Boise in the band, in my band, and so they were pretty busy. But yeah, I stuck around and stayed all the way through Pussy Ride because if, once you leave, it's not going to happen yeah. for you again. I mean, that I did. Yeah, I yeah. Get that <laughs> and that's what you're talking about too, Doug. I think is that you you have to make the sacrifice of saying, okay, well, 
I'm either going to sit here for the next two and a half hours and wait for this band, or I'm going to go check something else out and risk the fact and most likely not get back into the other band that I wanted to see maybe here. And, and, uh, but yeah, we stayed for that. And then, um, yeah, for, for me, I to get into Neurolux and that didn't work out. <laughs> for me personally, I wanted to see Deluxe more than I wanted to see Pussy Riot. Yeah. But I also wanted to see Andrew WK. So oh, I yeah. went to Andrew WK and then tried to get back to get into Deluxe. But there was such a big line for people that were trying to get there early for Pussy Riot. Yeah. It didn't happen. Did you stay yeah. for all of Andrew WK? I did. You did? Because yeah, I, I think... In years past, if you were to run from that show, like finish the show kind of by the exit and then run to the shrine, you know, it's almost like guaranteed you get in because you're kind of yeah, ahead, yeah. ahead of the crowd. But we, we genuinely ran from Andrew WK to the uh, shrine and the line was about twice as long as I'd ever seen it before. There. Yes. Yeah. Well, did you, I mean, so uh, was it the night before there was a line to the main stage to see George Clinton. I had never seen that. Yeah, I had never seen that before either. And it's like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to go see this other band at the Olympic. And they were great. Yeah. yeah. So that's... What that, say it again? Who did you see at the Olympic? I saw a band called Escondido from Nashville. And man, they just owned that room. They were so musical oh, wow. and so good. And so that's what's so fun about... Treefort is that I saw a band that same night called Prom Queen at the Linen Building where just by nature of the thing, you end up with a big audience and everyone's, you know, they're in, they had decided like, okay, we're, we're seeing music and we're, we're into this. And so, I mean, it's just these great energetic audiences. And so you really have some kind of transcendental moments if everything clicks into place. Absolutely. And that's, I think that's a great recipe for listeners to discover great new bands that they would have never otherwise discovered um, when you get in there with an audience that's that energetic and obviously fuels the band's energy and and just creates a pretty awesome experience to share. That uh, and that's one. That's another thing I love about Treesport too is when it comes to those those times where you don't necessarily get you know cater to your schedule that you've laid out and you discover something unique and and something that maybe would speak more to you than the expectations you had going to the show that you initially wanted to go to. Yes. And so, pretty cool. Yeah, like that's something that the Treefort staff always preaches is mm-hmm. like, if you see a line, don't stand in line, go to something else yeah. and you'll probably discover something good. And I think they're usually really good at scheduling so that yeah. like if there's a really big act. They've got like a kind of under undiscovered, super good act going on at the same time that yeah. you can get into. Yeah. The other thing that I really learned this year was that. So a lot of the bands, or some of the bands, we we're listening to the weeks before and just loving them on the album. You know, it's like this is really good stuff. And then you go to the show, and something isn't quite there so like it it just you realize that there are there are bands that write good music that are great you know it's like great album music and there are bands that can perform like they have the best live show but then on the record you know it's like eh. and yeah, exactly. there's bands that are a total package where they they do both where 
you can listen to them on the record all day long and then you go to their live show and it's, you know, it's a different experience. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of how like, cause I didn't end up seeing Pussy Riot, but I wasn't really sad that I missed it because I saw some like footage from it. And that's kind of what I felt with the live show because the, like I've been listening to like the three tracks that Pussy Riot like kind of has out right now nonstop, but their performance seemed pretty lackluster personally. It was more performance art and, and less music, I would say, in that respect. Yeah. And so uh, and like the visual element in that show was a large component of what they were doing and just mm -hmm. the, the crowd and the energy. But I, I was there and I took off because the, the biggest problem I was having this tree fort was uh, I had to see tree people and I also mm -hmm. wanted oh. to see Thunder Pussy, but you kind of had to pick and choose like which. Yeah. And, and so I was leaving places early and I ended up going to the Shredder a bunch of times. And so this is what I learned this year. The Shredder might be the new secret spot where it's far enough away that people don't want to walk over there. But it's far enough yeah. away that you can drive over there and park. <laughs> like, yeah. And then there's no line and you're in there, but it's still a full venue. And so I saw this band called Starcrawler and they just blew my doors off. It was it was it made me so uncomfortable because so they're they're it's like Sabbath punk. You know, it's like uh it was really heavy, but they had a, a female front person and yeah. she, she was playing up this kind of uh, Iggy Pop persona with like I think she did makeup that made her eyes really sunken in and she looked really kind of she's a lanky person and it just made me really uncomfortable because she's she was really like towards the end of the show she spit blood and put a cross on her head and it's like oh this is too much <laughs> wow. but it really was like and so Thunder Pussy followed, and then I just kind of clicked into place. You know, part of this, like a part of a live show, really is theatrics. You know, so they oh, yeah. are. Yeah, it's and it does help. You know, it helps the focus. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I like that's for me personally. Like, I'm not a huge fan of just like live music for live music's sake. Like, I want it to be a show. Like, if I'm going to it, I want it to be a full thing. Yeah. That's what we're excited about building up. That part of what we do is to really make that live music a theatrical production yeah. in itself. I, you know, the the film fort is one of those aspects of the festival that I don't think I've ever taken advantage of. So, like this year, as with other years, I spend a lot of time at Story Fort, but that just kind of speaks to the things that I really like. There. Um, so mm -hmm. listening to authors read and then talk about their work is is a lot of fun for me. And usually this is happening before the music. But with Film Fort, it seems like it. they do have short films, but it is kind of like in the midst of things. And it's hard for me to say. Mm -hmm. the, the same with the Comedy Fort, where I'm sure I would love that, but I never get over there. I'm just curious, what were your experience at Film Fort? And how long was your film and, and what kind of reception did you get? So our film was probably about four and a half minutes long, but it was part of a short film block. So the overall block was about 75 minutes long. Um, but yeah, like it's definitely the film for it in general, like even though I'm a filmmaker, I don't really make it to that much because I feel like they really kind of have their own audience. Like I think a lot of older people go to film for it and like it still gets filled the capacity because there's a lot of people that are 
excited about film that aren't excited about music. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, for me personally, it is the same thing that I want to be seeing these live bands and not sitting in a theater at that moment in time. Um, But it's really like, it's still a really cool experience. And it's one of the few film festivals that exists in town right now. So I'm really glad that it exists. Yeah, me too. What about Ale Fort? See, I'm I'm like a diehard music fan that doesn't drink, and so like when I see the line to Ale Fort, I just wonder what what the heck is going on there? Why would they want it? There's no band in there. They're gonna stand in line for a half an hour, or an hour to get into this tent. What is going on in there that's so great? Well, uh, you know, I I think that I think any kind of burgeoning city or whatever has really found a, a people have found a niche in beer making and so Boise is one of those uh cities as well so it's there's just a lot of buzz about um the breweries here in town and what they're doing and how they're creating it and it's uh, it's an integral integral part to uh, our community and and so i don't know i i think they don't need a wristband, you know, do they? It's just a... People go to... Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think it's a treat. Yeah, yeah, I think they just can get in and they just have to buy the tokens and mm-hmm. drink the beer. And I mean, people food like... Food is part of that this year, too. Yeah. So, like, Hurricaston and things like that were inside Ale Force yeah, this year. Yeah, yeah. And that whole, you know, the beer tasting thing has, has, has definitely come into a place where it's... People, you know, obviously people love it as much as they love wine and they take it as seriously as they take wine tastings and, and, and with the food port component involved in it, I know that last year, I didn't go to the ale port this year, but I I know that um, they were serving um, samples of some of the things that the, the, the creative chefs of food port were creating and like they serve that in ale port. Yes. And um, yeah, it's cool. I mean. I, I wish I would have gotten over there, but I was asleep. <laughs> I th- I think it was relatively it, so it's it's a a good value too. I think as it far is. as yeah, and then now that you you mentioned that it it just kind of kind of spells out how like I this is why George Clinton was like people for the most part aren't super indie music fans. And so a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff is like, I don't know any of this stuff, but they want to come and go to a street fair slash party and, and they can, yeah. you know, food for it and ale for it. And, uh, like, so I, story for it is all free. Like that's, you don't have to yeah. have a wristband to go to any of that stuff. And so I, I watched, uh, her name is Lydia Yuknovich and man, just incredible. It's, it's so funny cause it's the same kind of experience as a band where, you know, Everything drops away. It's just you and this performer, and they're they're doing a reading, and you're just right there in this space with them. And you know, there's nothing else. You know, there's no time. There's nothing. It's just like those are the experiences that I go to Tree Fort for. Absolutely, I think uh, I think that's what's so great too about the broad range of events going on there is that, and and the and the fact that they have these distinctions on what will require a wristband and what doesn't require a wristband. I mean, there's something for everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was Mark Duplass that, Duplass that talks about 
uh, soul points. And, you know, <laughs> you can get into a story for it and, and uh, you go in there and you can just kind of be rejuvenated by somebody's story. It is the same thing as going to a band that you may have otherwise not heard or loved. It's just that kind of thing. I think, too, from hearing um, one of our dancers from out of town, she came from New York, and so experienced voices for the first time at Treeport. And just the experience of, she stood in line for Pussy Riot, never got in, but made five friends in the line. And then they carried on their friendship throughout the entire Treeport experience. And she saw them at Aleport and then at performance art places. And I think it's just Treeport is such a microcosm of how incredible Boise is and it shows it at its absolute best and I think that the the people you meet and the interactions you have is just a reflection of how great it is and yeah I mean but something like Treefort in a community it's it shows like these these dedicated individuals that for one created it and or make it happen and we all we at LED feel the same way but you know we know that when the city's growing, which is inevitably happening in Boise, um, but that arts and culture is the nucleus of that city cell, and it's something that brings uh, attention in the right way and, and, and generates positive growth in a community. And, and Treefort, I think, is a huge, it is a huge component of, of that, um, that cultural and artistic growth that's going on in this community. Yeah. And I, just before we wrap up, I want to give a big shout out to Eric Gilbert specifically, Absolutely. to the festival director for Treefort, because he really like he's huge supporter of ours and advocate of ours. But it's really like a unique thing because we've essentially premiered a brand new dance theatrical experience at the last two Treeforts, and that's just not something that happens at any other music festival in the world, oh. I would guess. Yeah. Um, so like and the Eric fact, made it to the show, the last show. Uh-huh, yeah. He's a pretty busy guy. <laughs> he's a busy guy. Yeah. Um, so it's just really like I, I think it's a really unique thing that he's willing to kind of go out of his way and like it takes a lot of his time when he surely has a lot of other things on his Absolutely. plate to help us get the shows together. So did he? Did really he stay the whole time? He did. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, because he, he he he's always at the 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 thing. Like the cool thing, it's like, oh, there's Eric. I'm in the right spot. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. But he, I, he doesn't necessarily I, stay because there's so much. Like I, I was yeah. talking to somebody that they broke it down and they said, if you only saw, you know, between ten and twenty percent of something, you didn't see it. You know, it's like really the glass is half empty kind of guy. And it's like, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, but the, he's. As a as a leader of something, he's he's uh, exceptionally generous and does it the right way. I think for yeah, sure, <laughs> and, and is so supportive of of the local art as well as obviously the talent he brings in from out of state. And and he put together a really good team at Treefort too. Everybody oh, yeah. works there across the board. Yeah, it's great. And it, that was something that I was kind of surprised at for the show because we were asking people to day for 50 minutes of Treefort like late on a Thursday night I definitely thought we were going to be having people getting up and leaving 10 minutes into the show or what have you but I don't think we had anybody leave the entire night so it was pretty cool yeah I mean the experience was definitely 
not a music festival experience because the whole theatrical experiences you're brought in really took you out of the whole experience that I was used to. Mm-hmm. And, and and so I, I think there's more respect in in a situation like that. And there's not a chance anyone would be willing to interrupt that thing to leave. Like, Oh, this isn't doing it for me. I got to see something else. Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what's, do you have anything on the near horizon that you guys are working on that you can share? Or is it kind of, we've, we've got some shows that we're going to be announcing soon. Um, but really, we're we're excited to be taking kind of the summer to really kind of go inside and to like not be too public about what we're working on and really take some time to creatively uh, get everything together. Like that's something that's really exciting about how we kind of put together the company is that we don't necessarily have a season or anything like that, so we can take some time to really figure out what is artistically exciting to us right now. Um, one thing that is cool that we've got coming up is uh, we've got a grant with a very, very specific neighborhood in Vista to do what's called a creative placemaking project. So essentially we're just doing something artistic in that community that's really going to bring that group together. It's a low-income, very small, like, three or four block area right on Vista Avenue. So that's something we're going to be jumping into starting today, essentially. Yeah. Besides that, we've got announcements coming up, but we're, we're just excited to figure out where we're going next with things. Yeah. Well, that was 42 minutes. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank Thank you. You You bet. You've been listening to, you've been listening to led on 42 minutes. Check out their website at ledboise.com for more information. For more information about the Sync Book, our guests, to check out past shows, or to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, please be sure and visit our website at thesyncbook.com. If you like this podcast, check out others, as currently all the Sync Book radio archives are, f- are free. We also feature a great search engine until, to help you find what you need. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com. Thanks so much, and the memories of our loving still linger in the air. Like the faded scent of your roses, they stay with me everywhere.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.